Badger's Arena, Kalinka, Knox Games, it is Brendan Bachelor, Bachelor, Bachelor. 702 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in hour two officially of the program. As the song suggests, it's Brandon Batchelor joining us in just a minute here to kick off hour two. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them. 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintech.net. To the phone lines we go. He was actually live from Rogers Arena yesterday. Uh, Brennan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks, joins us now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Batch? Not a whole lot. How are you guys this morning? Uh, we're well. We spent the better part of the last half hour breaking down everything you need to know about Quinn Hughes' captaincy and, to a larger extent, the Vancouver Canucks season. And- yeah, Batch, were you asleep when the news came out and you're like, oh, i got to go to the rink? Uh, not quite, but uh, <laughs> I did have to scramble there and the traffic wasn't good yesterday, so it was touch and go. <laughs> did you have one particular takeaway from all the things that Hughes had to say? The one that we kind of plucked was where he was talking about that this group is tired of losing and he's tired of losing in particular and that... There just really felt like a sense of, and this is from the organization now, if we're going to be the kind of team we want to be and we're going to be a playoff team, we need to have certain things in place. And one of them is a leader and a leadership group and a clearly identified captain. And Hughes was like, yep, now let's go win some games. Yeah, I, I think that was definitely the the big message of the press conference was we need to get back to business here. We need to get down to winning games and doing it early in the year. That's why Hughes was announced now. They didn't wait till the home opener to have some big ceremony with pomp and circumstance. You know, that's what Hughes is talking about. And he's emphasizing when you talk to any of these guys, you know, we've been out watching them skate at UBC and chatting with them. And you could tell there's a, a hunger and a desire that they need to start the season. Well, this time they need to keep themselves in the fight. Uh, and, and the fact that so many of these guys are back and skating together, uh, you know, a couple weeks out from training camp is a good indication that Rick Tockett has got some buy-in on that. Um, but I think one thing that stood out to me from Hughes, and, and, you know, it kind of speaks, I think, to why he'll be a good captain or why he's been chosen, is his honesty. You know, one of the most honest things he said in the press conference that I was sort of surprised by was that you know I need to lean on Daniel and Henrik more and he essentially admitted that I haven't talked to those guys enough those guys are Hall of Famers they know what it's like to be in Henrik's case a captain in Daniel's case a key leader on a great team in a Canadian market I haven't talked to those guys enough and I thought that was sort of very introspective and honest from Hughes and to me that's why he's going to make a good captain because he is going to speak his mind. We've seen him do that in the past. He spoke out on the Tanner Pearson issue. He spoke very well in the lead up to Pride Night last year. Look at the press conference yesterday. He off the top mentions 9-11. So he, he understands sort of the the role that a captain has to have in the Canadian in a Canadian market in the sense that you're not just the captain of a hockey team, you're, you know, almost a political political figure as well but he's willing to be honest and introspective and and not necessarily say the the obvious right thing which 
I, I don't think I'm, I'm criticizing Bo Horvat in saying this <laughs> I knew about where him. you were going as soon as he said it, though. But Bo Horvat would never have said, <laughs> oh, I don't talk to the Twins. Or, you know, oh, I need to lean on them more. Like, that's not something that Horvat would have done because he was hyper aware of what the feedback would have been and how he might be criticized in that role. That's not something that Hughes cares about, and I think that's another reason why he's the right choice to be the captain. Yeah, I think he can best strike a balance between being the stoic leader that you need sometimes, especially when things are not going well. You don't want the captain or the coach or anyone in the organization that has a leadership role to be freaking out. But oftentimes you all you do need someone to make a statement and to kind of grab the team by the lapels and and you know, actually have some courage in your words. And I think, like, if you want to talk about Petey as a candidate, you'd be like, yeah, he's pretty stoic, but m- maybe he's not willing to speak up as much as Quinn Hughes would. Or if you want to talk about JT Miller as a candidate, you'd be like, love is passion. Sometimes the passion becomes too much. Can Quinn Hughes strike that right balance, in your opinion? We're going to find out, but I think he will be able to as he grows into this leadership role. And that's another thing that I thought was pretty insightful that he talked about yesterday is, you know, he's not the leader today that he's going to be a year from now or two years from now or five years from now. Uh, so it's it's an ongoing process that I'm sure he's going to ha- have a greater understanding of, of what he needs to do to to. He's the best leader he can be, but on the face of it, I agree, right? He, he's not a guy that is usually very emotional. If we go in and talk to him after games, you know, obviously he's a competitor, so he's more frustrated after losses uh, and more content after wins. And, you know, there you could say that about basically any player in the locker room, but he's not someone that, that pops off when he's frustrated. He's not someone that seems to lose control or take bad penalties on the ice or anything like that. Um, so I, I do believe that that's a balance he will be able to strike. And, you know, we're not in the dressing room. He may already be striking that balance, and it may be a big part of the reason that they've decided to name him captain and do it now. Because, you know, if I think about players that you would sort of characterize in that leadership style. If you don't speak up every day and you're not Mr. Rah-Rah and the loud guy every day, you lead by example, you're sort of a quiet captain. When you do speak up, when you do take that moment to stand up in front of the team and say something, it carries more weight. And that is sort of how I imagine or envision Quinn Hughes being as a leader is, you know, maybe JT Miller is going to be, you know, he'll be an assistant captain. He'll wear a letter as well. He'll be the rah-rah guy all the time. And Hughes, as part of that leadership group, fine. Let JT Miller be the rah-rah guy. I'll lead by example on the ice. But when something needs to be said, I'm not afraid to stand up and say it. And then it carries more weight because it's, you know, it's me taking this moment to say something. Batch, isn't it going to be fascinating to see how this team handles adversity this season? Because it will come, right? Like, you're not going to go, like, no one finishes a season and it's like, it went perfect. There was nothing that went wrong whatsoever. The Canucks have a... Especially not the Vancouver Canucks. Especially not the Canucks, right? It's going to happen. Uh, I mean, their first two games against are against the Oilers. One of the best teams in the league, a team that's going to be coming into this season especially motivated, considering they didn't love, love the way they they finished the playoffs, and they're kind of a this, they're, they're like the team on a mission this season. So it is perfectly uh, possible that the Canucks start the season zero and two, right? Maybe they even play well, but they start the season zero and two. 
how are they going to deal with situations like that? This is essentially, is it not, what the team is being set up to deal with? Like you bring in a coach like Rick Tockett, uh, you you reestablish or empower a, a new leadership group. Like th- they're going to be tested right off the bat. Yeah, absolutely. Not to mention the fact that it's a very road heavy schedule early in the season. So it's not like they're, you know, in the in the friendly confines of Rogers Arena for the first month of the year. They've got the first game at home and then they're right out on the road. And if you look at the first few months of the season, they're more road heavy than they are home heavy. And then they've got a big nine game homestand at the end of March, which could be very important if they can keep themselves in the playoff race because then you know when you're going down the stretch run late in the season you've got all these home games uh to to try and you know hold ground or make up ground or or hold off teams that are trying to chase you if you're in a good position the flip side of that is if things don't go well in the first half of the year then you got a nine game homestand in march that might not mean a whole lot if you haven't been able to keep yourself in that battle so you know adversity early pressure early and and this sort of speaks to the entire you know vibe around the team when it comes to how they're preparing for the year get the captaincy out of the way Patterson's already come out and and talked about his contract status so obviously he's going to be asked about it but you know you're you're not going to want it to be a distraction going into the year it's one of those situations where he said this is the way it's going to be so that's the way it's going to be let's go focus on hockey they've got to have a good training camp especially after uh, their training camp last year was criticized by Jim Rutherford they've got to have a, a focused preseason where they get themselves ready and then as much as you're facing the Edmonton Oilers in the first two games of the year you've got to be ready to come out of the gate firing and and try and get points in in both of those games if you can and then move on to the rest of that road trip so yes there's adversity yes there's heightened pressure being in a Canadian market and in this market in particular where fans are so starved for success. And I think that's a big part of why Rick Tockett is the guy that's been brought in here because he's going to demand a high standard. He's someone that has had success both as a coach and a player and knows what it takes. And he's going to have to guide this group through that. And clearly the organization believes he's going to be able to do that very effectively. Hey, Batch, we were talking about potential training camp standouts. Um, I mentioned Nils Hoaglander as a guy I'm optimistic about, less so about Pod Colson. Um, feel free to disagree with that, or is there another player you're especially keen to watch at training camp? I, I just want to see some of these young players really pushing and and you know, understanding that this is a big moment for them. And I think Hoaglander is a perfect example in that he was, you know, demoted under Travis Green, demoted under Bruce Boudreaux. So this would be the third head coach if if he can't stick, if he can't be the guy um, that many people hope and think he can be, especially after, you know, the offense he produced early in his career. If you've got three head coaches that, that haven't seen a fit for you or, or haven't appreciated your game or, or haven't felt that you were the most trustworthy player on the ice, and I think that's probably the best way to describe it because I don't think anybody will fault Hoaglander's work ethic and offensive ability. But, you know, over the last couple of years, the production, the bottom line production hasn't been there to a level that that his coaches would like. And then there are always questions about his two way game, his defensive game. You know, how can he be effective in his own zone? Does he get lost in coverage? These sorts of things. So it's a big season for Hoaglander. It's big for Pod Colson. You look at some of the young guys they've got on the back end. 
uh, you know, Jet Wu's been talking a big game about wanting to come into camp and push for a roster spot. We saw Akito Hirose and what he was able to do last year. He's going to be a guy that can push to be on the roster too. You want to see young players beating out veteran players that have been brought in, right? Because I, I don't think, you know, the Canucks have veteran players in depth roles, but I don't think there's any guys that you would look at and say that they're a barricade to these young players making the roster. They're just a hurdle that these guys have to jump. So you need the these guys to, to show that they can jump that hurdle, that they can beat out one of these guys for a roster spot, that you're not, you know... Uh, uh, I don't really know who to pull out of thin air. Someone like Phil DiGiuseppe, who right. I know it was was an AHL player most of last year, gained a lot of trust under Rick Tockett, but has not always been an everyday NHLer in his career. If it's you and him for a roster spot and you're a young player, that's a guy that you've got to look across at and say, ton of respect for him. He's played well. I know the coach likes him but I can beat him for that roster spot. And and that's what I want to see out of guys like Hoaglander and Pod Colson is that hunger to be on the NHL team and then an ability to show that they've improved in the areas that the organization wants them to as well. Speaking of Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Um, there's some real boomer energy coming through the Dunbar-Lummer text message in basket over the last 24 hours. <laughs> it, a lot of it is... Hughes is too small, he's too frail, he's, you know, I got all these things, the physical characteristics that he doesn't have to be a captain. And I actually, I threw this out yesterday. I said, if you want to respond to any of these, just say, hey, it's never a bad idea to have your captain be your best player. It's real simple. It's like, this is our best player, we're going to make him our captain. Is Quinn Hughes the Canucks' best player? Because we were kicking this around yesterday, but we didn't have time to really flesh out the conversation. Yeah, I- I think he is personally, although I understand there's a debate to be had there. But I think what you can't dispute, with the exception of Thatcher Demko, because I can hear Laddie ready to to jump through the window about this, <laughs> with the exception of Demko, he's their most important player, yeah. right? He, he plays more minutes than anyone else. He plays in the most important situations. He's their power play quarterback. Like You could go on. He he is their most important player now. Whether you believe that Pedersen is a better player or not, I can have that debate. I Great. think that Hughes is their best player. But, you know, he is their most important skater in terms of how he impacts the game, in terms of, you know, the, the difference he can make out there. And, you know, if people want to say, oh, he's, he's a little too slow, He's a little too frail or, or whatever that might be. Look at his stats. He's basically played full seasons yeah. every year that he's played for the Canucks. So it's 78 games last year, 76 the year before. In the shortened season, he played every game. So it's not like he's someone that's been injury riddled. He's been able to battle through some things and stay in the lineup and stay a consistent impact player for this team while playing north of 25 minutes a night. So, um, you know, I, 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 I've, I've heard also, you know, is he too young to be the captain? I think if you watch the modern NHL, the best players are not necessarily the biggest guys. They're not necessarily the toughest guys. They're not necessarily, you know, guys that are power forwards are going to go into the, the corners. But that doesn't mean that they're not the most important players. And also, the best players in the league are younger than they've ever been. Yep. So to name Quinn Hughes the captain at 20, 20- Three now, I've got no problem with it. He's had a, a number of years in the league now. He's really grown as a player. He's going to continue to grow, as he talked about 
but um, you know, to say he's too small or he's he's too young, I I don't agree with either of those things. I think without a doubt he's their most important player, and you know, if, if I'm putting my money down, I'd say he's their best player as well. Batch, thanks for joining us, buddy. It's good to be talking to hockey good. again with you. All right, take yep. care. Talk next week. Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. See, I go down that road with the best player thing. Like, have you ever played on a team before where like a role player or someone that doesn't play much speaks up? Um, yes, yeah, yeah sometimes. Like, it depends I, on the person. I, though. Sometimes on, it's okay. I've been on team. Yeah, but a lot of times it's like you, you didn't even start. Like, you know, you know, like, it's great that yeah. you're trying to fire the boys up, but it's like, you're not out there making a difference. Like, it's it's pretty simple for me. It's like, what is your captain supposed to do? He's supposed to lead. Lead you to what? Victories. So the best thing he can do is go out and make plays on the ice and do things mm-hmm. to help you win games. Right? That, to me, is like, it's cut and dry. Like, who are we? Like, I, I get but I just fire and brimstone, and the, but I don't even think that stuff happens all that often. I think there's moments of crisis where it needs to happen, but it's an 82-game season. I'd be much more concerned about, you know, it's like, well, who are we going to lean on to get us a play in this particular moment or make a play or play 27 minutes a night because we're down to five defensemen? I just think your comparison to Bo Horvat is a little bit off because I think Horvat had a comparison to Horvat. Well, you're just saying, like, you're acting like, Horvat wasn't that guy. No, no, no. And I'm like, talking. No, no. The, ignore the Horvat thing. Horvat's okay. done. I, what I'm talking about is people that are saying like Hughes is either too small or too weak or too diminutive or doesn't have the the prototypical big presence of a captain well, in look, the NHL. What did the Winnipeg Jets just do? They just gave it to Adam Lowry, right? Hmm. Their best player. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes down, when it comes time for uh, an important Pedersen is the Canucks' best player, by the way. Pedersen's not the Canucks' yes. best player. No, yes, he is. no, yes, he is. I will debate this. I will debate this. Wrong. Thoroughly. Wrong. Hughes is a better playmaker than Pedersen. The numbers bear that out. Yes. Yeah. Pedersen's a better goal scorer. There are different positions yeah, on the ice. Positions on the ice. It's Demko anyway. Wants a centerman. It's Demko anyway, guys. It's not Demko. What happened to the season last year after Demko? It's whoever is structure. Okay. It's whoever is playing the best. That's their best player. I think. I think structure is their best player. Structure is and accountability as well. So we got we got votes right now. I say. Hughes, Laddie say, says Demko, and Andy says Pedersen. When he is on his game, this. you have to vote. I think, Preface I the think, deciding I think vote. it's I think it's really difficult. I I, I think <sighs> I think don't do that. No no no. Seriously, well, get I'm an just, opinion, loser. Yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think Petey's the better player, but I think Quinn has more of an impact because of the minutes he plays. That's fair. <laughs> what about the minutes Demko plays? <laughs> yeah, and also All Demko. Wrong, thinking right. about Demko. Yeah, also Demko is wrong. Uh, no, like <laughs> anyway. T- but when I Patterson's think... on his game, he's their yeah. best player. When if he's not on his game, game I'm sure okay, player. it's Hughes. It's all based on who's playing the best. You know, you know what the the interesting thing is. Like we can have this debate, and it's just, and it's. I think you can make the argument for PD or Hughes sure. or even Demko, right? And so. This is what Patrick Alvin will look at. Like, look at these guys you're arguing about. You're arguing about really good players, and they're both on the Canucks. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter who's best. The only thing that matters is they're both on the Canucks. What I think wow. is interesting for me is the debate between not between the players on the Canucks. It's like, where does Petey stack up against... 
Or how, let's say a duo of Petey and Hughes, how does that stack up against McDavid and Dreisaitl? Mm-hmm. How does that stack up against uh, McKinnon and McCarr? Because that's the bar that the Canucks want to get to. And one of the things that maybe we'll talk about with Drance is his opinion, and I kind of share it, is like, are the Canucks be able to going to be able to turn into a great team? Mm-hmm. Like, do well, they well, have like Hughes isn't quite McCarr yet, and PD isn't quite McDavid well, or Matthews? No one's going to be McDavid. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying right? in terms of that echelon, like the, the, the tier list. Is Hughes ever right? going to get to that McCarr level? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I hope so. <laughs> well, the Canucks are banking on it, right? Yeah, I hope so. The Canucks are Canucks are really invested in this. And but as of right now, there's a separation, right? Like Hughes isn't McCarr yet. There's a clear separation. Right? There's a and clear obviously separation. Pedersen isn't in that the, the Matthews yeah. tier list yet, or Dryside or whatever. He's close though. David. Yeah, he's close. Right. Yeah, and and that's and that's what we're gonna find out this season. Like, can they? I'm gonna use another Drance level up, like, mm-hmm. and take it. So my question is, like, can he be even better? I know he's already good. Can he be even better? Can Petey be even better? And then, of course, you you talk about JT Miller, and the big concern is, well, he's 30 now. Can he maintain the level he's at? And frankly, he needs to be better. His season last year was very inconsistent. Started out not very good, ended pretty well. So what is this team? For me, it's, it's like, I, I, I don't know. There are so many wild cards at stake here. What will the new leadership group do to help the cause? Mm-hmm. Will they create this new culture that helps the team? Because they very much lost the culture mm-hmm. for a number of years. And I don't think you can say the culture is back yet. That would be way too presumptive to say that the culture is back. We haven't seen it, right? It's great that the guys are here early. Showing up is half the battle. But what is it going to look like going forward? How are they going to deal with adversity? In a way, I think it's great that their first two games against are against the Oilers. Let's test them right off the bat. Because if they go 0-2 to start the season, how are they going to react to that when they go out on the road? They start against Edmonton at home, then they go to Edmonton, and then they play a few more games on the road. It surely shouldn't affect. If you have a strong culture, it really shouldn't affect you what happens one way or the other. If you lose those games or you win those games, you've just got a process that you stick to. You work hard. You don't worry about it too much. You don't let the highs get too high or the lows get too low. The problem with the Canucks is they let the lows get too low. And that is going to be the challenge for Rick Tockett, mm-hmm. for the new leadership group, and for the organization as a whole that has tended to make things worse when they were already bad. Mm-hmm. Knows Jim Rutherford hasn't been heard from for, for a long, long time. Where is Jim? I know he wasn't at the press conference the, uh, yesterday. It was it was Alvin Tockett and Quinn Hughes. Jim Rutherford is supposedly everyone's boss. He's the president of hockey ops. Haven't heard from him at all. And I think one of the reasons is he kept making things worse Damn. when he opened his mouth. Well, he said he was. We're not going to hear from him. Exactly. He is the, exactly. I, I wouldn't expect that we will. He is the omniscient narrator of this. But that's thing crazy. Now. He's the president of hockey ops, and he's like, I, I won't talk anymore. I wish yeah. he would. It was awesome. But, <laughs> it was amazing yeah. for us. But you know what? I could care if it works. I don't care. He could never show up. He could just be like one of those guys that does everything on an intercom all day, and you never see his face. As long as it works, who cares? Uh, coming up on the show, Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver. That's next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk. With Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
than what we just have to call Thomas Grant's erotica. Listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in. <laughs> sorry, we are in hour two of the program. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. Pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle. You get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. I'm just like, <laughs> what are we laughing at? Uh, Maddie taking okay. a bath yesterday? There's that. <laughs> we had a back. I take, I take one or two baths a year. I'll admit it. We had a back and forth during the break. Where a week. We, we were talking about <laughs> a year. <laughs> this is. This, <laughs> we had. <laughs> He's a bath in a book guy. <laughs> if you think the show is discombobulated and jumps all over the place, the breaks, we just condense it down to like two and a half minutes of... So it started with the fact that my phone case broke. So now my phone is without a case. So then Andy says, as a former cell phone salesman, that gives me anxiety. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know I'm I'm walking a tightrope without a wow. finger. Like I'm gonna break this phone for sure. There's no protective case on it. Mm-hmm. Then Laddie said, "Oh yeah, my phone stopped working last night because I dropped it in the tub." <laughs> and then we said, "Wait, were you taking a bath?" And then he said, "Yeah, because I had a tummy ache." <laughs> what, are we gonna lie to you guys? Like, come on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then I said, Stop "That stomach-ache. sounds like captain material." <laughs> <laughs> That's the hard-nosed attitude and approach you need is when you have a tummy ache is to take an Epsom salt bath. <laughs> I had a friend that during the 2011 playoffs, he would get so stressed out, he would go take a bath during the games. Yeah, like I know had that's soothing. Had a friend. Why and, then, and then I almost added on the anecdote that I've gone up to <laughs> Pender Harbor in consecutive summers with a buddy who has twice jumped into the water with his phone in his pocket. <laughs> Oh yeah, I know those. Guys. Like you'd think, yep. the when it happens once, it's like that's it's probably not yeah. going to happen I had a, again. Actually, one of my bandmates multiple times jumping into lakes with your phone in your pocket. Yeah, it doesn't even think about now, it. Now, is he wearing his clothes or something? What, yep. is, there, is there no pre-jump no, routine? No, you get out of a sweaty, smelly van after an eight-hour drive and you jump in a lake. So <laughs> first, no, really. And Drance is waiting, I'm waiting I'm on not. hold for all this. The first time Drance will have some sort of like weird take on this. <laughs> yeah. Start prepping Drance because I got another anecdote. <laughs> so when he jumped into the ocean, his phone was done. Like it came out and it got to like 9,000 degrees. Mm-hmm. And we're like, throw it in rice. And it cooked the rice. That's how hot it was. <laughs> had a nice meal, though. <laughs> and then, and then he, he made ju- a stir fry. It was good. And then he jumped in lake water and the phone was okay. It survived. So there's got to be something with maybe like how corrosive salt water is. I don't know. I didn't do the research. All right. Yeah. So anyway. What a surprise. There was no salt in my bath. Are you sure? Epsom salt sounds nice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Need to relax. I'll help that tummy ache. Uh, Joining us now, Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drance? I, uh, I did a jump off a boat into the water with not just my 
phone, but wallet and keys. Yeah. Um, on my way back from like Thormanby, so mm-hmm. like just off the Sunshine Coast. And to make it worse, uh, I don't remember what the exact context was, but somehow before I ran, I jumped off the boat. I yelled, "No regrets." <laughs> <laughs> Yellow 420. <laughs> and and, and um, very, very quickly, like the moment I hit the water, Some I regret. knew I, I was, yeah, and I was the DD. The worst part about it is I was stone sober and the DD, and now I didn't have my keys. So we had uh, a, a lengthy, like, hour and a half to sort of ride to get back to, or journey, frankly, <laughs> to get back to the Airbnb, the keys of which I'd lost. <laughs> Um, Drans so yeah, in the water. Some regrets. That was a tough one. <laughs> that was a tough one. Regrets. I have two. Really, it's the keys. <laughs> the keys is right at the top of that list. Okay, let's oh, focus. Yeah. Let's focus on the hockey here. Big day yesterday. We spent a lot of time talking about Quinn Hughes as the captain. I think we've explored almost every avenue as it pertains to this. But when you for, put it this way, eight thirteen in the morning, news comes out. There's a press conference apo- approximately twelve minutes later. Like they wanted to get this done, <laughs> and they wanted to get yeah. it. They wanted to get it done, signed, sealed, and delivered, so they could move on to the business of winning hockey games. That was my takeaway. Was that yours? Yeah, it was. I, I liked that part of it. To be totally honest with you, I liked that it was understated. I liked that there wasn't any suspense uh, or any like whiff of a distraction hanging over this team in terms of answering any training camp questions about it, in terms of there being any speculation whatsoever clarified, this is the leadership group, no need for a ceremony or, or, or pomp and circumstance, just Quinn Hughes is our captain and let's move forward with that. Um, you know, I thought all of that made a ton of sense, especially given, you know, where this team's at, um, what this team needs to accomplish the fact that, the less speculation, the less drama there is around this team, the better this upcoming year. Like, honestly, I think probably one of the biggest things that I want to see from this team is to have, like, a focused, relatively drama-free, I mean, as much as that's possible in this market, um, season. You know, especially after the last three years, which have just been, you know, unrelenting in terms of the volume, the decibel level um, on non-hockey stuff that surrounded this group almost constantly. I I thought that was a a nice move. I thought that made sense. And and obviously, I think it reflects, too, you know, the the steady personality, right, that that you'd hope Quinn Hughes is able to sort of loan this hockey team, right, input on this hockey team Mm -hmm. as their captain. Hey, Drance, where is this team at? When you look at this team on paper – and when you think about where they've been at in terms of things like culture, et cetera, yeah. where is this team at? Yeah, I was thinking about this a little bit the other day because it, it actually, I, I have this instinctive, reflexive distaste for when management types, especially early in their tenure, talk about culture just because, you know, I I believe that culture is something that's built, but I think more than that, it's something you prove. You know, like you think about like heat culture, right? Yeah. And the thing about heat culture is no one ever believes in it. And then it's like, oh, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. (laughs) Right. Right. Like it's something they prove game after game, year after year, grinding out these wins with no matter what injuries they have, no matter what. Um, So culture gets sort of thrown around willy nilly. But for me, it's something that, you have to go out and prove. And 
in the case of the Canucks, I mean, where are they at? I look at a team and sort of see this club being positioned not unlike they've been positioned uh, certainly the last two years. I would not say the last three years because I think in, going into that bubble season, there were reasons to think they were demonstrably worse than the team that had had the bubble playoff success given the, the departures. But the last two seasons, they've made changes where you could look at the roster and be like, okay, if things break right, this team has a shot. And and I still think that's where they're at, right? I mean, by uh, point total over-unders, they're sixth in the Pacific heading into the season per Vegas, right? Um, and yet you could easily see things breaking right for this team and then being a playoff team. But I, I think it's just about equally likely, frankly, that things break poorly for them. And once again, and we're having some of the same conversations. I mean, hopefully not the same conversations as early God, please as no. we have the last two God, years. No. But, you know, I, I could see it breaking against them again because for me, I see this team as sort of, you know, somewhere in that 90 to 92 point range on true talent. And when you're a 90 to 92 point team on true talent, you can easily be a hundred point team. I, I, you know, I'd say this is what happened to the Seattle Kraken last year. Sure. Right. But you can also be an 83 point team because guess what? I thought the Canucks were roughly a 90 point true talent team last year and they had 83 points and that required like a furious finish to accomplish. Um, so, you know, I sort of see this team as having the same story. And, and I think where I get, like, where my overarching criticism of, you know, their, their refusal to rebuild and the, the sort of stasis we've seen and, you know, trading futures o- over the course of the past 12 months to upgrade the defense and on and on, like, where, where all of that sort of congeals, right? Like, the main point for me is not, wow, this team can't make the playoffs. Like, I absolutely think they have a shot to make the playoffs Mm -hmm. with how they're constructed. It's, can you move that sort of true talent bubble toward, you know, being like a 105-point true talent team, right? Like, can you get to that point where you're a real contender, where where, where if things break right for you, you're not the Seattle Kraken, but you're the Boston Bruins last year, right? Where, like, everything breaks right in the regular season is like, Oh wow, they're historically good, right? Or right. or wow, that team's really special. Um, that's the level that I, I like. I don't know what the path to get there is, given you know the fact that the team, like even once again this off season, right? You, you buy out Oliver Ekman Larson and you effectively proportion that cap space to you know Susie Cole Bluger um, and and Pius Suter, and yeah, I mean that makes you better this year and those deals at least aren't long-term and don't like hamstring you, but you still got, you know, a fair bit of money committed to some players who are not, not young, right. You've still got sort of dark clouds looming on the horizon in the future. You still don't have a good enough prospect system uh, given how frequently you've missed the playoffs the last five years. Uh, is there a path to this team being great? That's sort right. of where I tend to think, you know, at least I don't see it. And I think we need to see, you know, like the, the idea of the playoffs being the bar this year is one that I kind of find a little distasteful. Like I want to see a path 12 months from now, right? Like eight months from now, as the season unfolds, I want to see a team where I, I, I can look at it and say, Hey, there's a path to this team leveling up that I didn't recognize. There's a ceiling here that, that, that you know, I, I think has surprised us. What is the, uh, that's what, what I want to see. Trance, what is the biggest roadblock 
for them to become a great team. Like let's 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 even be really kind to the Canucks and say right now on paper they are a good team. They are a playoff team. What is the biggest roadblock to them becoming a great team? But I'm playing devil's advocate here because I worry yeah, no, I worry about the same things, right? I I, yeah. I I I worry about like I think people in this market in some ways have forgotten how high the bar is to being a Stanley Cup contender. What is their biggest roadblock to getting there? Well, look, I think so I think a team if this team was able to come out next season, right? And and these pieces hit a lot of the pieces that they brought in, a lot of these players that they brought in are able to hit to, you know, sort of their fifth percentile best outcome, right? Sure. 95th percentile best outcome. And so you've got like a Philip Heronic season where his impact on this blue line looks like, uh, you know, a less marauding Brandon Montour in, in Florida, right? Where, uh, Thatcher Demko stays healthy and plays, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say Vesna level, but like 9, 15, 60 games. Sure. And is healthy going into the playoffs and actually like plays his best in the playoffs. Doesn't look gassed toward the end of the year. JT Miller absolutely cannot look like he's even close to sort of hitting the slide on the aging curve, right? Uh, Pedersen needs to do it again. Kuzmenko needs to do it again. Um, Quinn Hughes just needs to be Quinn Hughes. And I think if all of that happens and like a couple of these guys, whether it's Hoaglander or Pod Colson, take like not, not the leap to being like everyday middle six guy, but like at least one of them takes the leap where it's like, oh my goodness, this could, this guy could be, you know, at the very least a really good second line forward. And honestly, I think you probably need one more like hit, one more guy to pop. Maybe it's like, and not, not pop is like a top of the lineup guy, but top is like pop is like a guy with real potential. Maybe that's Akito Hirose. Maybe that's Aiden McDonough, but like one more guy who's cheap labor who pops and is like, Oh, that guy's a player. And then I still think you need one of the lander, like or Atu Ratu and ideally two of them to also pop so that we're talking about them as like top 50 um, NHL prospects, and, and in Belander's case, like top 10 NHL prospects a year. Mm. And I think if all of that happens, we're definitely going to be talking about this team in a different way. Um, but it's a, it's a lot to ask, right? Like, it's an awful lot to ask. When you talk about dark clouds looming, what is the darkest cloud? Well, the, it's the Miller deal, right? Like, at the end of the day, you know, this team buys out Ekman Larson and yet there's real potential that they've got sort of that next deal already on the books, right? right. I, I, and yeah. this is nothing about JT Miller personally some, or, or, or who he is as a player so much as like 30-year-old NHL player. This is the first year of his new extension, right? I, I know it happened 12 months ago, but this is year one. Like this is year one um, of, of a guy who absolutely was not last season at the level of an $8 million player. Now I know people will say 82 points, like point per game, but it's like, man, you watch the first half of the season. Like I did, right? Like it, it's, it just wasn't close. Like it was a, you know, five and a half, $6 million power play specialist in terms of his overall contributions last year. And then the last 25 games, he looked sensational. And if he looks like that all year, then great. Then, then you've, then you've got a win in the first year of the extension and you better have a win in the first year of a seven year extension for a 30 year old player. But you know, there, there's also a real chance based on the history of the game, based on aging curves, that this is a very risky, frankly, reckless um, bet that the Canucks have placed. 
uh, and that could, you know, really be problematic team building wise uh, going forward. Now, I'm sure the answer to that in your inbox is going to be, um, well, the cap's going to go up, but you know, once again, cap goes up for everyone and an inefficient bet, um, you know, it may not hurt you as, as much as uh, it does in a, in a flat cap situation going forward, but it certainly helps your rivals more <laughs> if they don't have those commitments on the books. We're speaking to Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Drancer, I want you to settle a debate that we were having. Um, we were talking about Quinn Hughes, and my theory was, yeah, he's the team's best player, so naming him the captain is smart. And then we had a debate. Andy says the Canucks' best player is Elias Pettersson. Laddie says, shockingly, that it's Thatcher Demko. I said Hughes, obviously. And then we asked Bruff to vote. And he gave some wishy-washy answer about no, I said hard Pedersen. work and dedication. I don't no, even remember I what didn't, it was. I didn't. It was so hard incons- work and dedication. It was so inconsequential. I said Petey's the best player, but Hughes is the most impactful because of the minutes that he plays. Settle the debate. Right. Who's the Canucks' best player? I mean, yeah, it, it, it is a tough one because, like, best player, right? And then you have to figure out, like, is it most valuable? Like, is it overall value? Did you factor in the rarity of the profile? On and on. Um, I think I think for me it would probably be Elias Pettersson. Well, but, well, well. But <laughs> well, Drance is always wrong though, so you know that's a uh, <laughs> point. Halford, well, Laddie, Laddie's Demko take. That's the one where it's like, dude, can, can can he have a workhorse like a full, you know, nose to tail workhorse starting goaltender season before we say he's better than a fringe Norris? candidate and uh 24 year old center who just scored 100 points like come on laddie yeah, just right. calling his effort and durability into question yep. wow <laughs> Sorry? Some, someone someone draw another bath for laddie because he's not feeling yeah. great don't forget we are talking to a man who jumped into the water dead sober with his wallet keys and phone <laughs> so we'll true. take it all with a grain of salt um <laughs> grain of epsom salt. no but the 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 thing though that i you know i keep coming back to like you know, one thing, and the Canucks always have to have one of these at a press conference, but, like, one line that was repeated frequently was, like, Hughes, Demko, Miller, Pedersen, any of them could have been up here as captain, right? And it's like, no, that's not true, right? Like, you, you know you're not naming Demko captain. We've done that before in this market. It didn't work then. It's not going to work now. Um, Pedersen, with his contract situation, like, that would have been a real leap of faith. Uh, JT Miller as captain, you know, I, I don't think that would have been a serious consideration. Like, there was only one guy that this team could have named captain. And regardless of what you think, whether you think Pedersen or, or Hughes is the best player on the team, they're they're both amazing players. The, the one thing that I do think Hughes has that, you know, certainly none of the other elite core group has is, you know, he, he's the steadiest, right? Like, every night you know that Quinn Hughes is going to be in the lineup and he's going to do Quinn Hughes stuff and he's going to keep improving. And it's just like, you don't even have to worry about him. He's just, he's just Quinn Hughes and he does Quinn Hughes stuff. And there's certainly value and consistency like that. Drancer. Thanks bud. This was awesome. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll do this again next week. No regrets. No regrets. See you buddy. Thomas Drance from the athletic Vancouver and Canucks Army. Maybe the maybe, no Canucks maybe, uh, Canucks talk. Sorry, Canucks. Maybe, Canucks maybe, Army. I think maybe, he wrote there once. Well, he was he was drafted out of Canucks Army. I think. There you go. Maybe that was, a, maybe, that was a junior club from CA. Yeah. Okay. Maybe anyway. the best player is the friends we made along the way. God, I've been thinking about JT Miller's role on the team going forward, and I think Quinn Hughes should make him his henchman. Sure. 
Do you know in the in the James Bond movies where there's the villain? So there's like the head villain. Yep. And then that head villain always has a henchman. Mm-hmm. Like J.T. Miller would be the perfect henchman. Yep. Right? You'd be like, I'm Quinn Hughes, I'm the captain, and I'm the mastermind of all this. Mm-hmm. But if I need some dirty work, I'm going to lean on my J.T. Miller henchman. Miller needs to start curling his mustache if that's going to happen. Yeah. But the hand, wait, wait, wait. Or if you get like a, he could get, sometimes. He, he could get like a hat, like odd job hat. <laughs> yeah, he could he get, could get like a throwing hat. A little hey, bull, JT, bull, like, bullying hat? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like one of those things. Like, little, wouldn't that be perfect? Little, like, like, cutting edges, you could throw it at players. I like, Quinn, Quinn, needs, Quinn needs to uh, weaponize JT Miller's personality in, needs in a, the right way. Yeah. Yeah. He needs a cat the right on the way. bench. He's like on, a, on the bench with a cat. JT Miller's just stroking the mustache. JT, go deal with this. Excellent choice, sir. The henchman also has to be willing, right? Like, the henchman. Oh, I think asks, he's willing. Never asks willing. any questions. Yeah, he's got to be a yes right? man. He's yeah. got to be Agree very with loyal. Everything. Yeah. Very loyal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I like uh, it. I like your theory. JT Miller. JT Miller is going to be really interesting to watch this season. Um, <laughs> listen, I, I think contracts when when players get into their thirties can be really tough. Okay, they can be. We've seen it. We've seen the evidence. Like people text in. This one guy's texting into the show. He's like, JT Miller's contract is going to be fine. Oh, okay. Well, as long as you say so, right? There's statistical evidence out there that players get significantly less valuable as they get into their 30s. You know, and and it, people are going to scream and moan about the Louis Erickson comparison, but Louis Erickson was a really good player before he came to the Canucks. He was a really good player. Mm-hmm. And people are like, well, as long as they get, you know, a few good years out of this contract, it'll be okay. They didn't get one. Yeah. And that was the same year. And if you don't want to say, okay, well, Louis Erickson is a comparable uh, player. Well, how about all the other players that were signed that summer that are around the same age as JT Miller is right now, and those contracts went sour real quick. The NHL is a young man's game. It is so fast. Yeah, but it's going to be different with JT. Oh, well, it's going to be. Oh, yeah, well, because that texture said so. This time. Aging player will get better. This time it'll be fine. I don't. Well, want, I don't what, mean to start drama. Drama here. Drama. 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 Let's drama. go. With drama. drama. I don't drama. mean to start drama here, but do you think JT Miller was mad he wasn't named captain? <laughs> well, <laughs> it sure sounds like you're starting drama. Do you think that's like a thing? Or I'm not gonna I just lie. Like jumping okay. I don't think so. Here? He I'm not. He I'm doesn't not gonna, care one way or the other. I won't lie because I see what you asked, and I like that you. I was just wondering it. if maybe he was like. Oh, you preface well, it with like, me. I'm angry. You did like the prefacing with like no offense to anyone, but I'm not trying. Trying to start a thing. But here's a, a very dramatic, speculative <laughs> statement. Well, I had a question when Bruff was running through all the questions that I put together for the Hughes captaincy. I did have one in there, and I was like, we have to talk about some point. We can do that maybe in the 8 o'clock hour. Like, do you think Petey cared that it wasn't him? I think, think I think he's happy. That's maybe, I, yeah, and I'm I not, I never got the vibe. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't didn't either. I never got the vibe Pedersen wanted like, it at all. Yeah, he like, looked at the way he's dealt with his contract. He's just like, I don't want to think about this. Because yeah. it's just like, we had Bruce Boudreaux on the show, right? Like last week. He was in a car dealership for the majority of the call. And we asked, who would you name if you were the captain? He's like, well, I think you know who my choice is. And it was Pedersen, right? Horvat, mm-hmm. when he left after that, hey, should be, who should be the next captain? And he said Pedersen. So it's, I mean, it's, I don't know if Pedersen cared. That his former head coach and former captain both said, you should be the next guy. But he was obviously in the running for it. He's obviously in contention for it. So I don't know. He might not care. You might be right. I like this. Dan in Fort St. John. I never used to understand why players dropped off after 30. Now I'm 34 and I get it. <laughs> a oh, lot yeah. of people saying, how about to Pavelski? They have similar profiles. Yeah. 
Some guys make it. Mm-hmm. That's why it's a gamble. There's way less Pavelskis, right? though, way than less Pavelskis. everyone else. Like, yeah. Uh, I like this Marcus and Gibson's. JT Miller just has to be our Jamie Moyer. Yeah. I haven't heard a Jamie Moyer reference Throwing for a while. 35 mile an hour fastballs. That's Adam Foote is going to join us next on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650.